0: If you would remain standing for the reading of God's Word, turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. If you have a pew Bible, you can find this on page 941. Page 941. Um, and I'm so thankful that we gather and we, we sing praises to the Lord, and uh, we also stand for the reading of His holy word, for it is his worth standing for because He is holy Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. So we continue this morning in our study of justification. The study of standing before the Lord is so important. Because we are reminded from God's Word over and over and over again, as well as with our eyes in this life that we are living. We live and we die. And then comes judgment. And over and over again in Scripture, we see that, we find this, and over and over again in this life, we see this with our eyes. The study of standing before the Lord is so important, and if we, if we get this wrong, it is eternal punishment and not eternal life. Just listen to question 33 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is Justification. Justification is an act of God's free grace when he pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. So if we declare in this life that we are justified before God by something that we have done, we are not justified at all. This is why Paul has spent so much time discussing the wickedness of men. In the words of J.C. Ryle, A right knowledge of sin lies at the root of all saving Christianity. And this is exactly what Paul has been doing to those in Rome. Paul has taken the time to get his audience, the people that he has never met, he's taken time to get them lost. And as Christians, we need to do this too. We need to spend time getting those around us lost. For all sinners fall short of the glory of God, and we are all sinners. None is righteous, no, not one, Paul has said. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. No one does good, not even one. Paul got his audience lost, and then and only then he delivered to them the good news of Jesus Christ, of justification by faith alone in Christ alone. Look with me at Romans 3, verse 21. Paul has finally reached this. After 60 some odd verses of God's wrath, he gets to Romans 3 and he is excited. He says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. So Paul has informed us that justification is possible for Jew and Greek for us today. Justification is possible for all. It does not matter your nationality. It doesn't matter the language that you speak. Justification is a divine act whereby God makes humans who are sinful. Therefore, because we are sinful, we are worthy of condemnation, acceptable before God who is holy and righteous. Justification before God is possible by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Paul has taught us three main things about justification. Justification is possible by God's grace. Justification is through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And justification is received by faith as a gift. So Paul continues this argument of justification here in Romans chapter 4 by going to Abraham in the Old Testament. Specifically this morning, we're going to discuss and look at faith and works in the matter of justification and the relationship of faith and works in the realm of sanctification. So we as Christians, we need to have a firm grasp upon justification in Christ alone. But we also need a correct understanding of sanctification in Christ alone. So the picture here is justification that... One day you and I will stand before God, and when we stand before God, there's only one thing that's going to make us right as we stand before the Lord. That's having a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That a person has repented of their sins, put all their faith, all their hope, all their trust in Christ, and Christ alone for their salvation. Now, as sanctification... You have faith because we live by faith. We've been saved by faith. But in sanctification, you have faith in works. You have nothing in justification with your works that make you right before God. Absolutely nothing. Romans 4, verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? In Romans 3, verse Paul informed us that personal boasting of salvation is not to be part of the Christian's life. That we don't come before the Lord and we boast about the things in which you and I have done. For if we are saved, it is not because of our works, but because of God's grace through the gift of faith. That God grants salvation by his grace and gives faith to undeserved sinners. So Paul, therefore, begins Romans 4 by giving us an Old Testament example of salvation, showing us that we have no room to boast because salvation is by faith alone and not works. He says, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? So the Jews held Abraham in high esteem as an example of a righteous man, the father of the faithful, Jesus taught on this in John chapter 8. So if you will, hold your spot in Romans 4 and turn with me to John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. Let's look at the words of Christ as we look at an encounter of Jesus and the Jews concerning the true children of God. Um, John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Okay, so just pause for a moment. What were these Jews understanding? I'm good to go. I'm not wicked. I'm a child of Abraham. Verse 34. I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in this truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So the Jews thought that they were free since they were the offspring of Abraham. And so Jesus informed them that they are sinners and not free, but slaves of sin. Jesus then confronted their works. He says that they don't love him or do the works of Abraham, but they do the works of their father, the devil. Going back to Romans 4, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Paul is reaching back to the Old Testament to confront these Jews. How was Abraham justified? Was Abraham justified by works? Does Abraham have something to boast about? So let's look at Genesis chapter 15. These these verses are extremely important. This is why over and over and over again throughout the New Testament, you have God's messengers reaching back to the Old Testament and quoting the Old Testament scriptures. We dare not say we hold to the New Testament. You do not understand the New Testament rightly if you do not understand the Old Look at Genesis 15 beginning in verse 1. It says, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus. Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of the household will be my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and and number the stars. If you're able to number them. Then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Ur to the Codians. To give you this land to possess. So how was Abraham justified? Was Abraham justified by works? Does Abraham have something to boast about? In the flesh, Abraham had no gain. Abraham did not deserve justification. His works did not earn him salvation. Abraham was not justified by works. Abraham was not righteous before the Lord. The Lord gave Abraham a promise, and this promise was exactly what Paul was writing to the Romans about. It was a promise of justification by grace through faith. God promised Abraham, and Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. The word counted here is extremely important. To be counted means it is credited. It is credited. Abraham was not righteous, but he was counted or credited as righteous because of the gift of faith. You see, salvation and justification is by grace through faith. Romans 4 verses 9 and 10 provide further proof. And this blessing then, only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised, We say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. So Paul used Abraham as an Old Testament example of justification by faith. And this example shows that Abraham's belief was also in the promise of Genesis 3 verse 15, which is fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. People were not saved differently in the Old Testament than they were in the New Testament or how people are saved today. Because we see so much and we hear so much, so much talk, so much preaching, so much teaching that people are actually saved differently today. They're not. All of humanity for all time is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. Before Christ came, people trusted in the promises of God. Specifically, the promise of a Savior, a Messiah. They looked forward to the promise that would come. In the New Testament, Christ came. He turned the light on. And because the promise of God showed up, He was the promise and people trusted in Him. Christ fulfilled the law. Christ freely laid down his life. Christ drank the cup of God's wrath, dying for sinners who would place their trust and hope in him alone for salvation. So today we don't look forward to the promise of salvation. Some people still are. As Christians, we look forward, we look backward to the promise of salvation in Jesus Christ fulfilled. We are looking back. God's Word is complete. We have the Word of God. We look back and we praise Him for what He has accomplished. That our Savior has come and we eagerly await His return. He has accomplished justification for sinners. And we await the fulfillment of all of His promises. No one is in right standing before God based upon their works. Sometimes we can just overlook the very simplistic truth that for sinners to be saved, God the Father had to send God the Son to this earth to leave the glories of heaven to die. To make a payment for your sin and my sin. Our Savior has come and we eagerly await His return. Right standing before God is only accomplished when your faith is in the work of Jesus Christ. This statement means so many things. Primarily, this statement means that a person believes in who the Bible declares Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. If you talk to other individuals, other religions that are vast in numbers, they will tell you something different about Jesus. You must believe what the Bible says about Jesus, that Jesus was fully man and fully God. He was sinless. It is through Jesus that one is saved. So we must believe in what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. This statement means that a person believes in what Jesus Christ has done and will do. And in fact, it also means that we believe in what Jesus Christ is now doing. Jesus died for sinners, and those who are in him are forever his. And right now, as someone has already said in our service, Jesus is interceding for us. This statement also means that a person has repented of their sins and trusted in Christ alone for their salvation. Right standing is only accomplished when your faith is in the work of Jesus Christ. So to be clear, faith in Christ involves correct knowledge, right belief, repentance, and trust. Correct knowledge, right belief, repentance, and trust. Romans 4 verse 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. As to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So, the one who works deserves his wages. In fact, the one who works, he deserves his wages because it is an obligation. Wages are counted as a due. Now, the one who works does not deserve a gift, a gift is not counted. As what is due. A gift is undeserved. A gift is unearned. A gift is freely given and freely received. I'll give you an illustration. My son Colby does a job each week for one of our neighbors. The neighbors offered a price, and Colby agreed to a price. Now, if Colby does the job, he deserves the agreed price or wage. If Kobe receives less than what he has agreed to, Kobe has been cheated. If Kobe receives more than what he has agreed to, it is a gift. Paul has spent a good amount of words informing his audience and, in turn, informing us as Christians, if we have been saved by God's grace, that we do not deserve salvation. We don't deserve salvation. We do, however, deserve God's wrath. God's wrath is what we are rightly due. And as much as we like ourselves, God is holy and we need salvation. But salvation is not possible without God's grace because salvation is is not found in us and is not found in something that we do. Salvation is an alien righteousness in which we need God to awaken us to because we are spiritually dead. Look at verse 5 of Romans 4. And to the one who does not work but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So if you, if you believe in Jesus Christ who justifies the ungodly, your faith is counted as righteousness. This is crazy important. What you're just declaring is what Paul has just said is he's included him, he's included everybody else who's reasoning this is you are ungodly. But he has also declared ungodly people can be justified. This is the greatest of all wonders. That we are all ungodly, but we can be saved through a holy God. That if you believe in Jesus Christ, who makes you right before God, your faith in Christ is counted as righteousness. Therefore, if, if Annabelle, if Colby, if Isaiah, if Ethan, if Micah, if anyone believes in Jesus Christ alone, who justifies the ungodly, the sinner, the condemned. Your faith is counted as righteousness. So you don't deserve salvation. You haven't earned salvation, but God in his grace has given you the faith to believe in his son and your faith is credited. It is counted as righteousness. You see, faith is what grabs hold of Jesus. Faith is what grabs hold of righteousness. Personal faith is credited as righteousness. In the words of R.C. Sproul, only Christ's righteousness is the grounds of our justification. Martin Luther put it this way, Christians are simultaneously just and sinners. He said it, In ourselves, we are sinners. And in Christ, we are just because he does not count our sins against us. So we are not righteous, God is, and God alone. But I hope you see your personal need to be declared righteous by Jesus Christ. So before we look at another example that Paul gives, I want us to turn our attention to James for a moment. Many people read what Paul has written here, and we have many people, many people in churches that do not rightly understand that Paul and James, they were fighting the exact same battle. They were talking to a different group of people. But many people think that the half-brother of Jesus or Paul, one of them was extremely wrong. And one of them, they were opposing each other. They were not opposing each other. How can James and Paul both be right? One must be wrong. They're not wrong. So look with me at James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Let's look at James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So it seems that that James is saying something completely different. That James is gathered before these groups of people, and he says, oh, you have faith? Prove it. Show me your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. That's not at all what Paul said. How can Paul say what he said, and James say what he said, and both be right? Is there actual disunity in the Bible? Certainly not. Context, context, context is so important. This is why we we preach verse by verse and we study books of the Bible as a whole. Paul and James, they were fighting the exact same Battle. The picture here is that Paul is here and James is here and they have their swords out and they're fighting a group of people. They're saying the exact same things, but their their audience that they were fighting, they were struggling with different things. Paul was making clear that a sinner is justified before God by faith alone. James was making clear that the faith that justifies is never, ever alone. It's never alone. James was making clear that the faith that justifies is never alone. Faith is not empty words that we just speak. Faith changes a person because it's a gift from God, it's not a gift from man. Faith changes the direction of a life and it changes the works of that life. Justification brings about righteous living. Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. Christians are known by what God has done and by what God has done in that life. There is change. Jesus said that judgment before God is based upon works, not because those works make them right, but because works reveal the person's faith. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus is not being a legalist. Many Christians will say that Jesus, he's being really extreme. That, that's really harsh. We really can't say that. We must talk about God's love. Yes, if you love God, you will keep the commandments of God because you love him. Works prove saving faith. Works don't justify, faith justifies. Faith is what grabs hold of justification. But saving faith produces a life that lives for the glory of God. You see, one must be born again, and the person who is born again will produce good works. In this world, many people say one thing and they do another, don't we? We call those individuals hypocrites. They'll stand before one group and they'll say something, We see this all the time, specifically with political parties. If you're like me, you've received so many mailers in the mail over political things. This person said this, and this person said this, and this is what they really are, and this is who they really are. It's the same and true with Christians. People say one thing and they do something else. Our words may or may not be true. Our works may or may not be for the glory of God. We may actually be doing things to be seen by others. We can say things to please others, we can can do things to be seen by others, but the one God who made all things knows your heart and knows the truth about you. Matthew 15, Jesus spoke of this. He says, "This, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. If we think about that in our own life, is that true? Do we honor the Lord with our lips only? Like, do we gather on Sunday and sing about the Lord and His goodness and His, his grace and His love, and, and we're excited, people see us, people hear us, and then we go about the rest of the week and the Lord looks at us and says, they honor me with their lips, but their heart's so far from me. Our faith in Christ should be proudly displayed for all to see. Not so others in this world will see it for you, but for others will see it that in your life for the glory of God. I'm not talking about t-shirts and bumper stickers. I'm talking about a living faith that pleases the Lord. I'm talking about a living faith that glorifies God in whatever you are doing. Faith without works is dead because a dead faith does nothing. That's what a dead faith does. For example, if a person comes to the end of their life And at the end of their life, they were dependent upon a day of salvation that happened 20 years ago. And that person's life did not change over the last 20 years. I'm talking about a faith that says, I have no desire to know God. A faith that says, my desire to read God's word, it is not there. I have no desire to know who God is. A faith that says, I am not convicted over my sin. A faith that says, I am not going to obey this book because I don't believe this book. What assurance would this person have if there is no evidence that they love the Lord? The Bible does not paint salvation in a one-time event that produces nothing. That is never true from God's holy word. I'm talking about sola scriptura. I'm not talking about experiences or stories that you've encountered. I'm not talking about what people have given you personal assurance of. I'm talking about what is God-breathed. The Bible paints salvation in the present tense. That God calls us to be examined by his holy word. It is not, did I once do this? No, is it, am I still doing this? Am I still believing in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation? Am I still staying in the Word of God to know Him and to make Him known? Am I still confessing my sins? Am I still desiring in my heart to keep the commandments of God? Am I still walking in the light of His good Word? In other words, your words might declare that you believe in Jesus, but in your heart, if your heart doesn't, if you don't possess the Holy Spirit, if your life doesn't prove what your words declare, so what? In fact, that's exactly why James was writing what he wrote. When I teach little children, I explain that James is like the Nike book. If you call yourself a Christian, just do it. Stop flapping your trap and start proving it with the life that you have in Christ. God knows your heart. If you have been born again, the examinations in God's word, they provide us with such an amazing encouragement. If we read those examinations as a Christian, we're like, yes, I still believe in Jesus, and that's because of him. Yes, I still confess my sins. You know why? Because he's done it. I still love the word of God, and I I fail every day, but man, I love it. I love hearing what my master, my creator has said. Those examinations bring joy to our hearts because we, we look back at what Christ has done, what he is doing, and what he says he will do in our life but God knows your heart. Going back to Romans 4, verse 6. he says, Just as David also speaks about the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man against the Lord will not count his sin. So now... Paul argues his point from the life of David hundreds and hundreds of years after Abraham. I love what Paul does. He uses the words of David after David committed adultery and murder. These words are found in Psalm 32, 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. So the blessed one is not saved by his works. The blessed one is not the one who is physically circumcised. The blessed one is not the Jew or the Gentile. The blessed one is not the one who claims faith in Christ but lives a life void of his commands. The blessed man, woman, youth, or child is the one whom God does not count their sin because they have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Even as Paul is arguing this from David, David's trust was in the promise of Christ. The blessed man, woman, youth, or child is the one who has faith in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. If you continue in Psalm 32, he goes on to say this in verse 5, David explains why he said what he did in Psalm 32, 1 and 2. He said, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So David knew that righteousness was not found in him. Do you know this? That righteousness is not found in you? David himself, Scripture says, was a man after God's own heart. And yet he committed adultery. by murder, trying to cover up and cover up and cover up his sin, but because he was saved, he got to a point where he repented of his sins, and he asked the Lord to forgive him. Have you confessed your sins to the Lord like David did? Because 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, because in Christ alone, the Lord will not count our sin. In Christ alone, forgiveness is found. In Christ alone, we are justified before a holy God. Abraham, he could not boast of his works because they did not justify. And if if your works don't justify, you have nothing to boast about. David didn't stand before the Lord in right standing because of his works. You want to show up before the Lord with adultery? Do you want to show up before the Lord with murder? See, my works, they justify. Martin Luther, John Calvin, Charles Spurgeon, Jonathan Edwards, they had nothing to boast about before the Lord. Billy Graham, R.C. Sproul, they had nothing to boast about. If you are saved, you have nothing To boast about before the Lord. If you are saved, it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone that you are saved. Because justification is not possible because of you. Justification is possible by God's grace. Justification is not through your good works. Justification is through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Justification is not received because a dead man reaches out to God. Justification is received by faith because it is a gift from God. Christians boast, but they boast in Jesus Christ because they've come to the conclusion in their life, as Paul is writing to this, these individuals in Rome that he has never met, Christians come to the conclusion that I have to boast in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is everything. So is your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? I've heard it said that many youth, when I was a youth pastor, used to ask me, is there something else you can talk about by the gospel? And also in my preaching, I hear so many youth talking about, is, is there something else that he's going to say at the end of his sermons? No. There's not. Because you never get over the gospel. And if you think the gospel is something that you get over, you don't understand it. If you think the gospel doesn't have implications upon your life, you don't understand it. If you say that your faith is in Christ alone for salvation, does your life prove it? Now as a Christian, we can honestly say, man, Yesterday, between two and three o'clock, I don't. I don't think my life proved it. Yeah, Monday I messed up. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, every every day I I, I messed up. But it also at the same time, Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit, and then faith without works is is dead. Justification is so great if your justification is found in Christ because what. What justification does in Christ is justification awakens you. You have been awoken by the Lord. You've been given the Holy Spirit by the Lord. And that Holy Spirit is going to continue to do a work in you in which you are more conformed into the image of Christ. So if you say that your faith is in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, does your life prove it? Do you have evidence that you have been born again? Because true faith is never alone. You will have a love for the Word of God. You will have a hatred for sin. You'll have a desire to know the Lord more. And that desire will be played out in your life because you will not say before a holy God, God, I didn't have time to know you. God, I, I didn't have time to listen to your commands and to obey your commands. I didn't have time to do this. We just reviewed this in Sunday school this morning. Individuals, they have all their excuses You have individuals who are ready for the coming back of the Lord and people who are not ready for the coming back of the Lord. Those who are ready, they will enter and be with their Father. Those who are not ready, they will not enter. Is your faith in Christ alone for your salvation? If it is, dear child, you have much to praise him for because you don't deserve to be justified. You have an undeserved gift in which you have received, which is the greatest gift in all of history. But that greatest gift in all of history will have a response. That response is not thanks. That response is praise God, I'm going to live for you. So obey the Lord Take care of your soul and take care of those around you. And if you're concerned over your sin, concerned over your life that you're living, if you're concerned over your current position before the Lord, call on Christ and ask him to save you. Come to Christ. There is no other way in. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christ removes the word guilty. And he stamps a person justified. That is what Christ does. And it is only through him that one is saved. If you hear the urgency in my words and in my tone, that's because there is a real urgency to this. This could be, in fact, your very last day on this earth. This could be the last time that you gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ and worship Him in this place. This could be the last time that you say hi and bye to someone. This could be the last time you hear the Word of God preached. Christ and Christ alone is the one who removes your guilt. And He stamps you justified. I'm asking, is your faith in Him? In Him alone? Not Him plus something else. But in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. Have you trusted in Christ and Christ alone for your personal salvation? Because if not, you will stand before the Lord and the Lord will look you in the eyes. He will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And maybe you'll be able to speak a word. I don't know. Maybe you'll stand before him and you'll say, but Lord, I did this, I did this, I did this. If you stand before the Lord and you're telling the Lord everything that you did, you don't understand the gospel. If you stand before the Lord and you tell him everything that he did, you understand. Father, I thank you for this morning. Father, I don't want to say something that many times we just skim over and we don't think about, but thank you so much for sending Jesus. Thank you so much for his life. Thank you for the truth that he preached. Thank you for the cross where you fully drank the cup of your wrath. Thank you for the great commission, for the coming of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Bible in which generation after generation after generation has learned who you are and how we are to live on this earth to glorify you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would work in the hearts of everyone here. Give them assurance and great joy of their salvation. or put a weight upon their heart that they cannot escape until they cry out to you. Lord, save the lost because only you can. Help us, Lord, to look at our life through the lens of Scripture and to ask ourselves, are we living a life that is fruitful for your name and for your glory? Tear down the walls in which, Lord, we have made life about us which we have elevated us, we have glorified us. And thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness that is found in Christ. Not a one-time forgiveness, but a forgiveness that is over and over and over again. Lord, thank you for those in this room who still believe because of your grace, who still confess, who still love your word, who still gather, who still live Because of you. Father, we do pray that your name would be hallowed in our lives. In this church. In this community. We pray for your kingdom to come on this earth as it is in heaven. That we would be fully about you. As we long for you, Lord, may we be your faithful children who are living for You. It's in Christ and Christ alone we pray all these things. Amen.